Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. What's up? Welcome to another episode of At The Turn, our first edition of 2019. Nick, we made it to another year. We made it to another year. Wow, yeah, this is our third calendar year. We've been going, so I guess we're going pretty strong now. Got a good show for you today. Rory Sabatini is our first topic somehow. We'll get to him in just a minute. <laughs> we're starting off with Rory, Joe. We're starting off 2019 with Rory. Yes, we are. Um the new rules are in place in professional golf, and someone is taking full advantage. It is Bryson DeChambeau. We'll talk about that as well. Nick wants to talk about something to do with the U.S. men's national golf team, maybe using a soccer model. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I'm excited to find out. Um, humble brag, I'm going to Hawaii in like six weeks, and I don't know anything about Hawaii golf courses. Nick does. He will tell us a little bit about that. And then we revisit our golf resolutions for 2018, see how we did and perhaps make some for the year ahead. But Nick, let's start with Rory. Yeah, Joe, um, why don't you bring this in? You sent me this article about Rory Sabatini um, basically getting citizenship in his wife's country so he can qualify for the Olympics, which I think is pretty awesome. I told you to bring this in, and then I just brought the whole thing in. <laughs> but, no, I mean, for, for, for folks that aren't familiar with uh, Rory OG, Rory Sabatini is – a surly South African. He's probably in his early to mid-40s at this point. He's won a handful of times in the PGA Tour. He's kept his tour card, I think, for the better, better part of this century. So he's a successful professional golfer, always voted. This is not exaggeration. He's always voted the least popular player on the PGA Tour, among other players. He is acerbic, not someone who's enjoyable to play with, and he always comes at the bottom when they do polls of players. So... This story came out, Rory Sabatini, he married a Slovakian woman, and he has applied for Slovakian citizenship, primarily for the purposes of representing Slovakia in the 2020 Olympics. Do you, I don't even remember where, where those are, Nick. Where are the 2020 Olympics? Tokyo. Tokyo. Tokyo 2020. Yeah. Tokyo. That actually would be rad to go to that. Yeah. Um, I think... This is awesome, and I I don't I don't know much about Rory Sabatini, and I don't really care. But <laughs> I feel like golf in the Olympics in 2016 got a really rough start because it was in Rio. There was a Zika virus going on. A lot of people were scared to go. And on top of that, 
Yeah, well, and on top of that, you had a lot of these young guys like Jordan Spieth, and you know, they never grew up with golf in the Olympics. You know, nobody did. Nobody has any perception of of associating golf with the Olympics. There wasn't. I didn't feel like there was a lot of real like Olympic pride, like pride in representing your country. I mean, there was nowhere near pride you get when you get the Ryder Cup going on. Um, so I feel like it, it was kind of a slow start or restart for golf in the Olympics. And um, I think it's cool that at least at least one bro out there is making it a priority. He's changing his nationality. I guess he's adding a nationality. But uh, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, in 2016, there was a lot of people that dropped out ahead of it, like you said. The actual golf tournament itself was pretty damn good. Uh, Justin Rose won the gold, if my recollection serves. Henrik Stenson got silver. And, of course, Matt Kuchar, lifelong winner of the bronze medal. Appropriate that he wins the first bronze medal when golf comes back in the Olympics. I think it's going to be a more popular event this time around. Ricky Fowler was super into it on the American side. Besides him, I think Patrick Reed was probably also into it because he's Captain Patrick America. Reed. Why not? Exactly. But I'm inclined to agree with you, Nick. I think it's fine that Rory Sabatini is doing this. It is obvious that there are a lot of South African golfers. It is a very deep country as far as golf is concerned. And Rory Sabatini knows that in all likelihood, he will not be able to qualify on the South African team. So this is his path to play in the Olympics. I now know one Slovakian golfer and his name is Rory Sabatini. So I would assume he will end up qualifying for the 2020 games in Tokyo, but I dig it, man. I'm with you. I think it's good. The more attention you can draw to this event, the better. Yeah. Um, a couple things for me, measuring the golf tournament, the Olympics as a success, we're here a couple of years later and you and I both know that Justin Rose won it. So it was a relevant tournament. Like I couldn't tell you who won very many tournaments in 2016, but I can tell you that Justin Rose is the champion. So I think that means that it's a relevant event. Um, you know what would make this even more of a baller move by Rory Sabatini is if he just married that woman to get Slovakian citizenship <laughs> to get into the 2020 Olympics. <laughs> I mean, it would make it a more sexy story. I don't know how good it would be for the Sabatini family unit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not accusing him of doing that, but that'd be pretty cool. No, I hear you. Uh, so the new rules are in place in the PGA Joe, Tour. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, no, I hate to do this, but I think we should switch up our order because the oh. Olympic kind of the Olympic talk goes into this this US men's national golf team Very idea good. that I had. So I think it might be kind of a, a smooth transition. Okay. Well what do you have? So let me let me just lay this on you a little bit, Joe. Ever since the Ryder Cup, you know, and the US got annihilated again and everybody would pick up the pieces and everybody's just talking about how can we do it differently, you know? You know, the captaincy, you know, Furek's captaincy, maybe he did it right, maybe he did it wrong, you know, yada, yada. But there's all these United States, I mean, you got the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup every other year. And then you got the Olympics every four years. So rather than, I know the Olympic team doesn't have a captain, but why don't, why doesn't golf steal the soccer model where you have a United States national team and that team represents your country at the international events, the Olympics, the World Cup. So you would have a captain, and that captain could be the captain of the team for four years. So you would get a home and away Ryder Cup. You would get one Olympics, and you would get two President's Cups. In that way, you can kind of 
learn from the growing pains a little bit. You don't have to be one and done. You tried it and it failed and you learned something from it, but you can never apply what you learned because your opportunity is already over. And on top of that, you could keep a roster of maybe 20 guys who are on the team and they know where they're going to be. You're not constantly fighting for all these roster spots at the last minute, making these dramatic last minute Ryder Cup picks, yada, yada. I think you would have a much better chance of this flying now than you would in the era of Tiger and Phil and Ernie and VJ. And that's not to say Joe, we're still in the Tiger era. What are you talking about? Well, not to say that all of these guys <laughs> would have a negative attitude about it, but I think their attitude would be, well, this is just taking money out of my pocket. This isn't anything that's going to benefit me financially. So why would I care about it? Uh, I think the Ricky Fowlers, the Jordan Spees, the Justin Thomases, there is agreed. Pat, well, there is a more cohesive. He would kill to be on this team, Joe. Well, he would kill to be on this team, but I don't think he's good buddies with any of it. I don't think Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed had Thanksgiving dinner together. I'll just put it that I way. I doubt that, no. But I think you're going to get a lot more buy-in now from the guys than you would 10, 15 years ago. As you were talking about this, I thought of a potential roadblock that is definitely something you can overcome, but I think it's probably the biggest impediment to this occurring right now. The Ryder Cup, President's Cup, and Olympics, those are the three events we would be talking about that this team would be basically existing for. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, and I, I think there's, I don't know what other international events are out there. There, there may be some that are less popular, but yeah, those, those are basically the, the three. So I think the problem you run into is the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, and certainly the Olympics are all their own deals. So they have their own point system. They have their own scoring system. There is a very specific methodology to how they determine each of those teams. Now, while those scoring systems, I think, are quite similar, they're definitely unique and different, I think, to have them distinguish themselves from each other. So I think if you could consolidate those three events. Into the are you saying team, the point systems are different for qualifying to, to be on those teams? Correct. I think they are. there are subtle variations. And I have no idea what the Olympic one is, but I right, was we're not getting into we're not getting into the the, the, the weeds on this. No, no, no. I mean, it's yeah. going to be look. You get a lot of points for a major. You get some points for a regulatory event. Yada yada yada. I just think there would need to be some sort of consolidation of those three bodies to say, okay, the U.S. men's national golf team is the overseeing body of all international golf competitions. And I think, while possible, it's a ways off, and I think would be difficult to achieve. Yeah, I mean, there's no need to bring logic into this idea. <laughs> um, I mean, really, I guess like the way soccer does it, you know, like you, you have your national team, you have a roster. I mean, soccer is a team sport, so it's completely different. I, I understand that. But, you know, you say you have 20, 24 guys on this golf team, and then for the Ryder Cup, you say, okay, these are the 12 we're sending over. You know, you don't have to, just because you're on the roster doesn't mean you're in all those events. But yeah, you would just basically have your team and then pick who, plays in which events and yeah i don't know if that would be a qualification based on points or just whoever's the captain for those four years says these are my guys and then it's like you know you can, you can add or subtract you know whatever you really feel like it i mean i love the idea i think there needs to be a way for the u.s to give a damn about <laughs> any of this stuff because i don't think they do certainly not in the way that europe does like Okay, the Ryder Cup was terrible, but how many Americans actually, like, maybe the exception of Patrick Reed, actually took it, like, 
personally and were super pissed off at the result and like went to the driving range and were grinding away and like that's not going to happen again like none of these guys did that yeah yeah you're, you're probably right um so you think you think the biggest in addition to logic the biggest roadblock is people just don't care enough they, they care more about the money than than their team actually winning I, I do feel like they care way more about the money than actually winning. Like someone like, okay, I'm going to pick on Dustin Johnson because he's an easy target. Like, okay, Dustin Johnson goes to the Ryder Cup. He plays great. He's a Ryder Cup hero. Awesome. Dustin Johnson wins the Masters. What matters more to Dustin Johnson? <laughs> yeah, I mean, winning the Masters. Okay. Taken. If you're Ian Poulter, it's up for a debate. Like Ian Poulter wants to win the British Open. A whole hell of a lot, but if he's the Ryder Cup hero, Ian Poulter knows that that's his bread and butter, and Ian Poulter knows that regardless of what he does in individual play, he's going to be viewed as a Ryder Cup icon, and as a result, he will be able to basically get a drink wherever he wants in continental Europe, because not only does it matter more to the players, I think it matters more to Europe fans than it matters to American fans. I, I, I truly believe that. I think it's a, I, I just think it's, it's a cultural thing. It's, you're true in that, you're right, and that sucks. It does. I, I want it to. I want it to matter. It matters to me. I woke up at like four in the morning for three straight days to watch the Ryder Cup, and that was not fun. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bad times. Uh, good times for Bryson DeChambeau because there's a lot of new weird rules out there, and boy, he's taking advantage of one of them. Have you seen this man putt with the flagstick in? It is a trip. I I haven't watched it yet. I meant I meant to make a point to watch it, but. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to yet. I saw a tweet from PGA Tour that says Bryson uses the flagstick to make a birdie, and they got like 500 comments because everyone's like, pretty sure that would have went in without the flag in 100% of the time. It was just a slow tracking putt that went in the hole, and the flagstick happened to be in. I don't understand, and I know he understands because he is the mad scientist, unless you are trying to prevent the ball from running significantly by the cup, I do not see the advantage of leaving the flag stick in. I don't get it. I, I don't know either. I mean, we talked about this before, Joe. As far as I know, yeah, you're right. Like only on only when the ball is 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 really moving, you're gonna need that flag stick. But then again, it could ricochet off that flag stick and go five feet away. So. I don't know, but like you said, he's got it figured out. I, I believe he's got it figured out. I just want to see, I just want to see a couple examples of when it definitely impacts the putt, whether it knocks one out that was definitely going to go in, or vice versa, it, it saves one that was, you know, going to go past the hole and, and drops down. And we'll see, you know, when, once there's once there's a few like that, they'll be viral, and, and we'll know right away um, what this rule is going to if it's going to make a change at all in the way the games are actually played. But like anecdotally, when you've made a chip or a pitch from off the green, do you ever feel like the flagstick like actually contributed to the ball ending up at the bottom of the cup? I don't know if I've ever felt that way. Not for me personally, because when I chip in, it's 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 usually you know a no doubter. But when people I'm playing against chip in, it definitely helps them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously. I think I've seen it. I've seen it definitely help. Yeah, for sure. There's times it definitely helps where you know one is is not going to drop. It. You know, if it's going too fast, it'll just go right over the hole. Um, you know, one's looking like that. And I've seen it banked right in and drop to the bottom for sure. 
But that's almost my point is the only situation where it seems like it would help is if the ball is moving with a lot of speed. And when you're on the green putting, unless it's a severely downhill putt, I just don't understand the advantage. Obviously, we're going to see Bryson play a whole season this year. So I'm sure there'll be circumstances where it's like, oh, okay, yep, that's why he's Bryson DeChambeau and the rest of us are not. I, I'm, I'm excited to be proved wrong, I guess is my point. I mean, we'll know in June whether – I mean, we'll see if he puts the flag stick in at the U.S. Open. And, it, and if he doesn't, then he's proved himself wrong. And he will definitely be analyzing data over the first two months of the year. And if he, if he stops – if he starts pulling it, then we'll know. And if he doesn't, then we all better start doing it because that means there's some science to it. My guy does love data. I am excited to um, hopefully play in a tournament this summer, maybe a little bit earlier, like in the spring, before like there's this proliferation of this rule out there where a lot of people are doing it. And I leave the flag stick in <laughs> and someone tries to call me on it. I'm excited for that confrontation. I'm ready for that confrontation with someone on the golf course. Yeah, just keep a rule book in your bag with like a little sticky note on the page with like the excerpt highlighted. <laughs> just be like, bam. Rule 19-3B, sir. <laughs> As always, we appreciate your patronage here on At The Turn. Nick really wants everyone to like, don't, don't do it for me. Like and subscribe to the podcast for Nick. The Apple podcast ratings, well, they, uh, they depend on it, don't they, Nick? I don't know. They they keep throwing me curveballs. I, mean, I just can't figure out why we're not ranked in the freaking Apple Podcast Top 200. And then some people say that the ratings are really important. Some people say they don't mean anything. Whether or not they're important, you, I would love it if you would rate us. Five stars. Nice comments. It would be appreciated. Also, the Facebook page, the, the Twitter. Nick's always on the Twitter. Thank you for taking care of that, by the way, buddy. I appreciate that. You're always I, I do what I can. Anyway, like and subscribe at the turn. You're listening to us. Thank you. All right, Nicholas. So for the first time in a non-professional capacity, I will be going to Hawaii on vacation in like six weeks from when we're recording this. We're recording this, uh, what, January 6th? So yeah, I'll be going soon. I plan to play one round of golf. I'm very excited for it. You lived in Hawaii for, what, like four years over your course of your uh, life? Yeah, 18. Oh, yeah, yeah. Over the course, if you add it all together, yeah, about four years. No, so, three years, two years, something like who knows, two and a half years. More than most of us, I'll put it that way. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, and so I'm staying on Oahu, which is where Honolulu is located. I've confirmed that with Nick. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> and uh, I just want to know a couple uh, good golf courses that I should that I should check out. The one that I think I know, Turtle Bay. I think they have the LPGA Tour event there. Um. They, when I was there, which was a year ago, there was at a course called Koalina. Oh. So that, that's not Turtle Bay unless it moved. Um, Turtle Bay, I think, has hosted um, like maybe a senior that's event. Um, yeah. Joe, I'm glad you said you're playing one round of golf mm -hmm. because um, there's one course in particular I think you should definitely play. Because if, if you had a debate, you know, a couple, whatever, but. There's a course called Royal Hawaiian, and it will be more unlike any golf course you've ever played in your life. What? Um, it's just, so the topography of, of Hawaii, it's like, it's just crazy steep mountains, and like, this golf course is built into basically a mountain, and it's just so incredibly scenic, and you hit over... There's like forced carries on every hole just over these massive ridges. Um, it's 
it's really just if you have two eyes it is the most spectacular golf course you play like i'm not good enough at golf to appreciate golf course architecture when it comes to like angles and you know force carries and, and placement of bunkers and things like that but if you just show up and open your eyes and look around it's, it's the most breathtaking course i've ever been on is it on the ocean no really yeah it's not it's not it's just it's in it's in the hills man it's it's up in Ooh. there it's in the middle of the rainforest it's, you're in the middle of the rainforest i i one time played this course and then like two weeks later i got a golf digest magazine and i was flipping through and on the back cover of the magazine was an ad like a sunglasses ad or something and it was a picture from this course and i literally went through my phone and i had the ex a picture from the exact same spot like the exact same photo of of where this magazine ad was so it's a magazine ad model <laughs> golf course and I, I think you can get pretty good deals on golf now or like i, I want to say i got some pretty cheap tea times there okay royal hawaiian gorgeous not on the ocean breathtaking like that would be the okay. word i would use for it is breathtaking i gotta say it not being on the ocean immediately makes you want to continue to search but you are my, <laughs> you are my hawaii guy and you say i will have a spectacular time with this course yeah i mean there's a there's a nine hole municipal course up on the north shore which is on the ocean and it is i mean it's it's kind of a rundown muni but it is also incredible and it's i mean there's ocean views on like six of the nine holes um also that would be a very good recommendation i played there with my wife one time and she even loved it which is you know she's does not love golf <laughs> me. um but i would play royal hawaiian man okay. i would you're gonna not see me. plenty of the ocean you're gonna see plenty you're right. of the ocean and you you're played right. bandon like you don't need more like coastline holes okay i will take a landlocked hawaii course i'm i'll tweet pay, i'll i'll go through my phone and yeah, find yeah. pictures that i've taken of it and i'll tweet them i'll at you joe don't worry okay please do because i'm I did not expect to get such a uh, conclusive answer from you. Um, so I will, I will go with Royal Hawaiian, man. I'll, I'll I, I'm telling you, I, when I was there, I was there for 18 months most recently. Um, and there's like 36 or 38 golf courses on Oahu. And it was my goal to play every single one of them, which I didn't. I think I played like 24 or something. I played a lot. That's pretty um, good. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just the most unique course. Like Turtle Bay is really nice. They have two courses there. I played both of those. They're really nice, but in terms of playing a course, unlike any other course you'll probably play, um, Royal Hawaiian, man. Okay. That uh, just, when when just one last thing when when Soren went there for fairways and freeways, uh, our our first guest on this podcast, he played Royal Hawaiian. If Soren likes it, if Nick likes it, I'm sure I'll like it. Yeah. Is is uh. Is the lady gonna play with you or are you gonna make a solo mission? No, no, that's that's pool day for the lady. Okay. Yeah. It is definitely a solo it, mission. It's very challenging too. I mean, that's the thing. Like if you miss the fairway, you're in the rainforest. And there's all these forest carries because over huge over huge uh ridges or ravines, whatever you want to call it. Some R word, I don't know. It's I will, it, it's fun, Joe. It's it's I will definitely be bringing an entire box of Vice Pro Pluses with me. <laughs> yeah, good call. Good call. Um, Nick, you want to do this resolution thing? I saw this, and uh, I guess I forgot making these. 
Yeah, I did. I we got to keep ourselves honest, Joe. So I went back uh, this time last year. You and I sat down. We did a podcast. Uh, we we said some of our re- resolutions, and now I want to follow up and see if we kept those. Um, so I'm gonna go one by one for years. Your first resolution, Joe, for 2018. This one was a big one. Now, did you make mom happy this year? Did you wear sunscreen? during golf more often. Well, if we can get back to the lady, uh, I saw this rundown and she's out in the living room and I, I yelled out, hey, my first resolution was wearing sunscreen during golf. And there was a pause, there was a pause. And then I just heard, fail. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I did not do it. I have to do a better job of wearing sunscreen in general. I've never found a sunscreen that I like. It's a terrible excuse, what? but what's I know. Your, what's your bone to pick with sunscreen? I don't want it to. What, clog. what do you not like about it? I don't want it to clog the pores, man. It's going on my face. I got to keep the money maker looking good. Yes. All right. Joe. Well, good luck finding one. I'm sure maybe when you find one, uh, they'll sponsor our podcast. That's not a bad idea. Um, okay. Your your second resolution for 2018, Joe. Did you fix more fairway divots, specifically with the little sand basket that's attached to the golf cart? I did do this, and I forgot that I, I made it as a resolution, but I just found myself doing it more. Um, it's really easy. It's what it's designed for, and I found myself going to the cart and doing it more often. Uh, fortunately, I had a pretty good year driving the golf ball, so I had more shots out of the fairway that I'm accustomed to, so I had more divots to fix, but I think I did accomplish that. Okay, good for you. One for two so far. And your last resolution for 2018, which I found a little bit of surprising, to play faster, Joe. You said, I just want to walk up to the ball, take a half a practice swing, and just whack it and see what happens. Did you do that? Yeah, I have like a weird little pre-shot routine now where I do like like a half swing. I don't, I don't really do like full practice swings. Unless I'm really like struggling, then I'll kind of try to work it out. But if it's just a normal round of golf, I'll just kind of like stretch it out, step up to the ball give it a whack. And it's one of those things when it's working, you're like, oh, this is easy. When it's not working, it's pretty frustrating. But I think that has to do more with how I'm playing rather than actually this routine. So yeah, I think I, uh, I did play faster in 2018. Okay. I, I never really thought you were that slow. I never, no, never thought you were slow. So I don't know. That slow? Did you think I was kind of slow? No, no. That's what I'm saying. I never thought you, I never thought to myself, gosh, Joe's slow. Then, yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. So, anyways, I had a couple of resolutions myself, Joe. How about you? Practice more to create more quality rounds. And spend more time practicing. Well, I definitely practiced more <laughs> in 2018, but I don't think what I did would satisfy what I had in mind this time last year. Uh, more quality rounds? No, I didn't feel like I had very many quality rounds in 2018. Um, so that one's a fail. Uh, for me, I practiced more when I went back and listened, like the passion that I had last January uh, for how much I wanted to practice the short game and putting, get a routine going. No, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Life gets in the way. Practice more because in 2017, I probably hardly practiced at all. Um, so I practiced more than none, but uh, not, not nearly enough. <laughs> and then secondly, I said I was going to play speed golf in 2018. Now, this was kind of a transition topic. I'm not sure if we were still talking about the resolutions or if I was just 
BS about what I was going to do in 2018. Um, <laughs> but I did. I played speed golf. It was fun. I ran nine holes of golf as fast as I could with like six clubs and a little Sunday bag. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. All right. That's not bad. One for two. So we, we, we did okay. Yeah, we did all right. We did all right. Do you have any for this year, Nick? Um, I sound like a broken record. Yeah, I want to practice more and get better at golf, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what about, okay, but that's – that's that's like a giant elephant. Can you can you boil that down to like a finch size attainable goal? Just want a repeatable swing. You know what I mean? Like I want to build a repeatable swing. I think that's my biggest goal right now for golf. Build a repeatable swing. Not only one that's repeatable, because I've had a repeatable swing, but a repeatable swing that's also good um, and effective. Um, yeah, I think that's my my goal for 2019. Just the one. Yeah, man, we got to keep it simple here. If, if I can do that, I'll be happy. Okay. And of course, practice more. Yeah, no, always practice more. Um, I think mine is be a better putter from short distance. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Nick. We've played a lot of golf together. Uh-huh. Do you know many golfers who are like, you know, sub 10 handicap who miss more really short putts than I do? I mean, I, I, I can't really answer that question. I play golf with you two days a year, and uh, I don't play golf with any other sub-10 handicaps. So, <laughs> so no, by default, the answer is no. Well, um, But, yeah, I, I don't. Usually when I play golf, Joe, and I'm not in Idaho, it's by myself. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, I, I play a couple times a month with, with some buddies, but I haven't played with anybody other than you who's a sub-10 handicap. Well, I'll answer that question. Long. Uh, no, I miss a lot of short putts for what my handicap is. And it's just something that has sort of been an issue, uh, pretty much throughout the time I've played golf. Uh, I've switched putters recently. It helps sometimes. I'm just too streaky, man. I want to be more consistent putting because there's no worse feeling than when you're playing a good ball striking round and you know, you're not going to give it a chance to go in the hole. So I want to make myself a more consistent putter in 2019. Um, how how do you quantify this? Like, how many short putts are you missing? What range are we talking? We're talking three footers, six footers. No, do I you mean, have any stats on what your putting stats are? What you want them to be? Like, how are we going to say when we sit here next year if you reach this goal or not? Oh, I, I think it's just determined by three putts. If you I'm just not, say like, yeah, I did it or no, I didn't. No, it's just it's just three putts. If I don't have three putts during the round of golf, I probably played a pretty good round of golf. It's just got to limit three putts. Um, if I'm missing short, you don't mind putts, missing those those three foot birdie putts. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. I mean, you're not going to have a ton of three foot birdie putts, but you're right, going to have right, a lot right. of three foot par putts, and those are the ones you have to make to keep your round going. And at times, I get um, you know lackadaisical, get in my head about it, and I I just miss them. So I have to reduce the number of three putts uh, in a, in, a, in a given round, and just reduce the number of putts overall. David Duvall said a thing. It sounds really dumb because of how hard it actually is. But he said his goal for every round of golf was to make a par at all the par threes, just put it in the middle of a green two putt, hit 13 greens from regulation, and have 30 or less putts. And he was going to shoot a good round. And it's like, okay, David Duvall, of course. That sounds like a 67 to me. Yeah, 13 greens. I don't know if I hit 13 greens regulation in 2018. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I say we ended on that. That was funny. (laughs) All right, Joe, it was the fun. 
It's been good, man. Uh, everybody, thank you again for listening to this first edition in 2019. Make sure to like and subscribe to Pod. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, my personal favorite, Stitcher. It's a great app for all those Android folks out there. All two of you listening, I see you. Thank you. Um, Nick, let's do another episode soonish. Yeah, sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll keep fans. Um, we'll keep some content coming with the fans for the fans. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We got a little surprise coming in a couple weeks, don't we? Maybe. That's a maybe. Thanks again, everybody, to listening, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.